0: Speaking in slow motion today because calamity of calamities at my house. We ran out of coffee. Right? You know, I mean, you know, I've, I'm like Ron. I'm like going over there feeling my bag of beans, making sure I'm going to be all right. And uh, my next uh, bag doesn't show up in the mail till sometime tomorrow. So. Yeah, I had you know, so I had some Earl Grey this morning, but it's not the same, you know. I mean, I I love Earl Grey as much as the next uh, person of uh, British descent, but I mean, you know, it's like wanting pizza and somebody gives you a taco, like, disappointing. If you like tacos, I I do too. So. Jesus, we just we thank you and we praise you for uh, meeting with us in this place. God, we appreciate the things you're doing in our lives, and we uh, glorify your name. And we ask that uh, that you would speak today, God. Those things that you want to say, God, that you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive yes. all that you have for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, appreciate everybody that. Uh, uh was able to um, somehow make it to uh, Scott and Rachel's on Friday. That was quite the storm. And uh, it was kind of one of those, well, I've come too far to look back kind of moments for us. It's like we were almost there. So, uh, And I, I had actually thought about staying home because I was looking at the GPS and, and how far away it was from my house. And thinking about how tired I was. And I thought, you know, I could pray at my house. God's here too. And uh, we ended up going anyway. And uh, it was a blessing. I think it's probably a good thing that no more people showed up than they did because we would have been hanging out the windows. Uh, But we had a good time. So, uh, go with me to Genesis 32. We've been talking recently here about Jacob and Esau and, and how Esau... Uh, you know, made these bad choices and got mad that he felt like he got passed over. Uh, and, and that's not really what I want to focus on in this story today. You know, Jacob has, uh, of course, fled from, from Esau because, you know, if your you know, brutish, hairy older brother was, you know, wanting to thump around on you, why wouldn't you run away? And, um, so he he's left, and he's spent all these years, a long time really, uh, serving Laban for Leah and for Rachel. And, and he's got all this stuff uh, about 17 years or so, I think, if I remember right. And uh, Interestingly enough, that's about how long I've been painting. So I'm going out wealthy now. No, that's, at least that's the plan. No. Um, no, so Jacob is—he's uh, going home now because God told him go home, go back, go back home, where your angry, hairy older brother is, and uh, so so he's he's on his way there, and and he sends his servants out with with all of their stuff. You know, he he, he divides his, himself up into companies and and, and this descending order or ascending order of value, rather, of who he's putting out there first. It's like playing chess. You always put the pawns out there first. It's, you know, it's okay if pawns get taken out, but uh, you don't want to lose your queen because then the game's over, more or less, unless you're Mike. But um, so, so he has, uh, so he's on his way and he knows that he's getting ready to meet with Esau and, uh, of course, he's approaching this meeting thinking, uh, I, I hope I live through this meeting. So, um, so where I want to start is in 22. And, and Jacob rose up that night, and he and his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons passed over the Fort Jabbok. <coughs> And he took them and he sent them over the brook, and he sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was at a joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaks. And he said, I will not let you go, except thou bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob said your name should no longer be called Jacob but Israel for as a prince you have power with God and with men and you prevailed. So he so he's wrestled with God then hanging on for this this answer then that he needs and, and we've all we've all been in that place um, and Jacob said uh, uh, well and of course you know this is a, a conversion sort of moment for Jacob because he changes his name from the supplanter to Ruling with God, so instead of um, getting things his own conniving, clever sort of way, now he's he's uh, he's coming into this place of getting things the right way because he's he's put himself in this place of obeying God, and now it's either you know either God's going to make it work out or he's not, but he's decided that well I'm, I'm going to have to obey God on this thing, and and so. Uh, it, it's an interesting moment because he's all alone now. It's just it's just him and God, and he's and he's hanging on because he's he's got no peace about this meeting that he's getting ready to have, and and so, so he's saying, "I won't let you go unless you bless me." Like I I've got to have some sort of resolution on this issue, and and we've, uh, I think the church as a whole has really lost a lot of that sense of of hanging on till you get an answer. Um, And and I think sometimes we don't always get the answer that day. I think you could hang on all day and sometimes God will just have you keep waiting and have you keep waiting because Abraham waited a long time without an answer and and he just held on. But in this moment, uh, Jacob is, is holding on to God and he gets this blessing from him and he gets this sense of I'm going to change who you are, and I'm going to change how you live. Uh, and, and I like that he, in the process, he cripples him, because now he he couldn't run away from Esau if he wanted to. So there's, there's an interesting thing about, uh, you know, I've always heard people talk about getting older and how your brain thinks you can still do stuff, and your body tells you, no, you can't. And uh, so it's an interesting thing when you think you can do something and you get partway into it and you discover, I really can't. And so uh so it's a humbling thing and and, it's, and in this case it uh he' he's got to have uh, he's got to have the power of God to walk, he's got to have the power of God to get on down the road and to to protect him. so Jacob says to him, "Tell me I pray thee what thy name?" And he said, "Why do you ask after my name?" And he blessed him there' it's like "Why what? It's like what do you mean? what's my name? You know what my name is? You know who I am. And Jacob called the the name of that place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Of course, that's what Peniel means. He passed over Peniel. The sun rose on him, and he halted on his thigh. You know, uh, it's interesting because on the way uh, to Laban's, uh, he has this encounter with God, and he calls the place Bethel, the house of God. Then having gone through all these experiences and getting a ways down the road in life, and now God tells him, I want you to go back home. And, and in fact, he had he told God at Bethel, he's like, you know, I, if, if you'll bring me back home, then, then I'm going to serve you. And so God tells him, okay, well then, let's go back home now. You know, four years down the road. And so now he's on his way back home. And he encounters God again. Uh, with much higher stakes, it seems. I mean, before uh, he was—he was clever, Jacob, uh, and he—I'm uh, uh, sure that he was uh, much like a couple of brothers that I know. That the younger one would antagonize the older one to no end, and then laugh hysterically as he ran away because his older brother could not catch him <laughs> until he got laughing so hard that he couldn't run anymore and then of course he would get caught and pummeled. Uh, I love those stories. They're especially fun when you didn't have anybody to grow up with because it's it's like it's you can't even identify with that. It's like I didn't have any other kids around to pummel or pummel on me. And uh, I I always felt that I was missing out especially because I wanted somebody to pummel. You know, I you know, I think uh, a lot of single or not single um only children, I think, have these imaginary friends because there's no one else to talk to. So I had this imaginary younger brother that was none too bright and uh, I constantly berating him and wishing I could thump around on him, but I couldn't see him. So, anyway, I don't think I've ever told anybody that. Um, <laughs> okay, um, so... So now Jacob's having this encounter again. And again, his life is on the line. But this time he can't run away. So last time he ran away, now he's he's limping towards this encounter uh, that that could result in his death. And, and now he's talking about seeing the face of God. And, he, and that he saw the face of God and his life was preserved. And the, the reason I was thinking about this, well, uh, let me skip ahead real quick. To chapter 33 because you know what happens here he does meet Esau and apparently Esau's anger has blown over and and he he's glad to see jacob and he jacob has to uh, uh like practically beg him to take the stuff that i sent you it's like please take the stuff you know because uh esau's just glad to have his little brother home i mean you know any little rascal that drives you crazy. Eventually, you know, you miss having them around, and you kind of wish that they would come back. You know, especially if you had no way to get a hold of them. Because you know, you know, eventually Esau kind of calmed down. He's like, well, yeah. you know, because if you ever get mad about something like that, where somebody gets the best of you, and you realize it was your own stupid fault for falling for it in the first place, or, or in this case, it's like he gave away his birthright, and he knew what he was doing. It's like. Like, well, I'm gonna starve to death, really, you know. So, you know, I think he must have calmed down, and and then over the years, he must have thought, man, I missed that little guy. You know, I think brothers usually have more interesting terms for each other, but <laughs> I miss that little guy. I wish, I wish he was here. I could ruffle his little hair and feel his smooth neck. <laughs> But, uh, uh, so anyway, so he's, you know, he's, he's pleased to see Jacob. And and so, of course, Jacob's taken totally aback by that. And he plays it cool because, of course, he's Jacob and, and, and he thinks fast on his feet. And uh, so in verse 8, he says Esau says, What meanest thou by all this grove which I met? And he said, These are to find grace in the sight of my Lord. And Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep that that you have to yourself. And Jacob said, nay, I pray thee, if now I have found grace in your sight, then receive the present at my hand, for therefore I have seen thy face, as though I had seen the face of God, and you were pleased with me." You know, so it's interesting because he he likens this meeting with Esau to this encounter that he had with God last night, where he thought, "And, and have you ever felt that way? Like if if I could, if I were to encounter God face to face." I'm not so sure he would be happy with me. I'm not so sure he would have anything nice to say to me. And and yet, you know, Jacob wrestles with God at, at Peniel, and and he says that my I saw God face to face, and my life was preserved. And now he's expecting uh <clears throat> he's expecting Esau to smite him and and uh and, and I'm sure that by this point, Jacob understood that, yeah, I kind of deserved this. And and yet, he finds grace in, in Esau's sight. And he's like, man, it's like, I, I felt like you would destroy me. And then I saw you face to face, and you were pleased with me. You were, you were glad to see me. And so we all have an adversary then yeah. that he wants to tell you the same thing. Because... And, and the, the longer you spend away uh, from that, that close proximity with God, the easier it is for that that voice to come in and tell you, oh, well, you don't want to go see him now. It's like you haven't seen him in like, I don't know, at least a week, a month, I don't know. Like, you know, if, if you go and talk to him now, he's not going to be happy. You better at least, you know, you better arrange all your stuff and give him some gifts and Buy back your favor with God, because He's not going to want to talk to you, and because what He's after is is tearing up your faith that 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 yeah, God would be happy to see me, that God would be happy to hear from me, you know. Um, I, I think about my kids and how, um, you know, I there are times I'm busy and I'm thinking I. Okay, now's not a good time to talk, but for the most part it's like I am I'm glad that they wanted to come by and tell me something or show me some cool thing they made with their Legos or uh or whatever. And uh um, you know, there's something about having kids that, that gives you this interesting insight into the heart of God about how he must feel when you when you come to him. Because uh even you know your, your kids will drive you crazy, but um, but there's there's a relationship that's formed there that's not based on performance. There's no your kids don't have value based on those things. Now my children will have much more value once they can mow my yard and and <laughs> clean the house and you know once I have a little sweatshop going in my house. That's my plan. Just teasing, uh, but uh, you know, it, it doesn't have anything to do with them doing those things. I just, I just love them because they're mine. And and so God brings all of us to places where we understand. Where he brings us to that understanding that what we do, what we know, what we say, all of those things are secondary to, you know, what I just love you because you're mine. You belong to me, and and. That I mean, that really is the end of the matter. You belong to me, and I love you. So, so we have this adversary then that uh, he wants us to uh, take some vague thing, some thought that he would bring, some accusation, something you saw, something you thought you saw, and, and, uh, and then put more credence on that thing been on the word of God it's like like well you know I I don't know because when I, I I talked to brother so-and-so he had this funny look on his face and and so surely he knows there's something dreadfully askew in my life and 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 because of that uh you know God is not happy with me and and so God doesn't you know he, he's just waiting for me to figure it out you know and and all of that stuff is contrary to the word of God and and it and it sound as ridiculous as it sounds when you say it out loud, it feels so real in your head. Um, and so the thing is is getting that 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 sense you know getting that matter settled in your heart it's like does does is God happy with me? Yes, does God love me even if i I mess something up? Yes, he does. can he fix it if I mess something up? Yes, he can. Does he want to? Yes. He's anxiously awaiting for you to come and get the thing fixed. You know, when you, uh, I've discovered over the years it's uh, very awkward and difficult to begin with when you you deal with people about, like, hey, when you said such and such, kind of made me feel like you hated my guts or, you know, or it's like, hey, um, when this thing happened, i felt like you were kind of thinking this because you did X, Y, and Z. You know, it, it feels really awkward and goofy at first. And uh, to me, it was somewhat akin to like an adult making you tell somebody that you were sorry when you were a kid because it was like the worst thing ever and you couldn't hardly form the words around your quivering face. And uh, But just like everything else in life, um, a little bit of practice goes a long ways and so you you make yourself learn to do that and it gets easier and then and then it and you would be surprised how often you could talk to somebody about something that you thought you saw or that you thought happened and they just stare at you blankly because they have no idea what you're talking about and and but in but if you don't deal with it uh, like that then it just becomes this big festering thing in your head and you think surely they hate me surely God is unhappy with me you know, especially if it's somebody that, that you feel like I don't know is is, for lack of a better way to say it better than you uh, or like a better Christian than you or whatever because we all know better but we all think that way so it's okay you can admit it I admit it and uh, uh, but I can't tell you how many times in life I have, uh, you know, I, I don't like to ask for prayer. Like, I mean, we could have everybody up here, and God's obviously doing stuff. I cannot stand trying to, like, force my way through the crowd and, and ask for prayer. And um, I don't know. I don't like the attention. I don't like the, you know, because everybody's listening to you all of a sudden. Or, and... Or everybody's thinking about you. Everybody's praying for you, which is great, but I don't like that. It makes me uncomfortable. And so, um, uh, but every time I've gotten to a place in my life where I just, I just had to, I had to have an answer. I have to know. I don't care about the discomfort of getting up in front of everybody and getting an answer. I'm going to get an answer. Um. Most of the time, when I came to that point, it was over something where I felt like God was not happy with me. Where I, I felt like I was just drifting in the middle of nowhere, and God was not happy, but He wasn't telling you what it was, and everybody else knew, Ron knew, you know, and it's like, it's like, so that's, that's why He doesn't take your calls, that's why, you know, whatever. And, uh, uh, every time that I came to that place I felt like Jacob bringing you know bringing all this stuff before God and expecting destruction expecting something bad and that's exactly what doubt is the expectation of something bad from God and and faith of course is the exact opposite the thing that Ron read on Wednesday night that uh, patience of hope hope is such a great word and I was I was just bouncing back there in my seat because uh, I was hoping he was going to address it, and he did to some degree, but the the word hope, the way we use hope now is not the way they used hope when they translated the King James, because nowadays hope is this very tenuous, uncertain sort of thing. So do you think this is going to work? I <laughs> hope so. You know, it's like when... when uh, Four hundred years ago, when they were translating this into English, hope was an expectation of, of receiving something good. Like this is the blessed hope, and it's like, okay, so so that that then would be the opposite of doubt. That that faith, that that hope, then is an expectation of getting something good from God. And I don't know how many times I expected bad. Like, I was expecting the Listerine and rubbing alcohol treatment when I came up here. And instead, God would just say, look at you. This is so great. Like, man, I, I'm so glad you're here. Ruff, ruffle your little gray hair. Then, but it doesn't move.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I love it. My kids will play with my hair and they'll be crunchy. It is crunchy because if I don't put something in it to make it crunchy, it won't stay where I want it so anyway, you know so think about that you know that that sense of what you know what do I really think God would say if I just all of a sudden he just strolled into the room and and just I was just looking him face to face. what would he say to me? You know, what do you really think he that he would say? What do you really think he feels about you? And it's uh you all you know you know, you know the answer. You know, you know that he would say something good to you. Deep down. But but we have this adversary that he he's uh he's always out to tear down that faith and that sense of God meaning something good for you. Um Go with me over to uh, Jeremiah 29. And you guys all know this. You probably have a coffee mug in your house with this on it. <laughs> or it's probably on the cover of your journal. Or some sort of painting in your house or something. You all know it. Um, now think about Job. You know, Job went through a lot of really hard things. Ex- excessively, so it seems. All at once. And he had these friends that were really no, not friends so much as uh, miserable comforters, as he <laughs> called them. Which is a you know, I've had some miserable comforters. You know, it turns out that I just had it the wrong way or was the wrong size. But but you know, I mean have you ever tried to sleep with a blanket that is the wrong size and you, you can't get comfortable with it? It's miserable. And it's like, that's kind of what these guys had to say. It's like, well, you know, it's like, no, you're a great guy and all, Job. But, the, you know, surely there's something that precipitated this. And it's like, yeah, it's because I'm perfect and I eschew evil. It's like, that would be what precipitated this, because God's showing off uh, about him, not about me. And so, anyway, um, you know, by the time you get to the end of the book of Job, God turns to... Uh, these three friends, quote unquote, of Job's, and he and he says, you know, I'm not happy with you guys because you've not spoken the thing that was right about me. So all this stuff that they said sounded so great and so righteous, and yet it was wrong. It was it was not not the thing about God, you know, because you can, you know, that's the thing about knowing the character of God and getting to know Him in fellowship, because you can just flip your bible open and just you know and then you you come up with uh Nimrod the mighty hunter it's like is god saying i'm a nimrod you know no you know it's like maybe you should try somewhere else you know you know i i think of it you know if i'm having a problem i think of the bible like a medicine cabinet you know it's like if you you know uh if you have a headache you're not going to get out the burn cream you know it's not going to do you any good uh you know, if you're having joint pain you're not going to get out Tylenol because it's candy but um, the uh, you know and and that's the thing about just randomly finding something I mean God will talk to you don't get me wrong but thinking okay so here's here's what I'm dealing with what does the Word of God say about this that, that that's a different matter altogether then then you're like this spiritual pharmacist looking through the Bible finding just the right, just the right thing for, you know, for what ails you. So, you know, the thing about Job is like everything in his life changed just like that. And and God brings change in your life. And, and I, I don't think there's anybody here who God is not changing things in their life. Some of it seems grand. Some of it seems really uncomfortable. And, um, you know, it's just everywhere you go, life is just changing you know and and so then then of course we have that adversary again it's like oh we well see all this stuff's happening because you messed something up like you did this wrong god's not happy with this and so that's why this is happening to you and uh you know if if you would just you know get your stuff together then god would tell you what's going on and you could get this all fixed you know i i uh i saw this uh this guy once was talking about, um, um, now, and I don't agree with this necessarily, but for the purpose of the illustration, um, this guy said, now, if a woman wrote a stop sign, if she was like wrote the writing on the stop sign, it would, it would just be a red octagon that said, if you knew me, you'd know what to do now. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I don't think women are quite that not straightforward. I think a little more direct than that, but... Um, but you know, that's that's kinda of what the way the devil will try and run you around. Like, well, you know, God just kind of expects you to know what to do now, right? It's like, well, if if he did, then I didn't catch it, so I'll I'll just go ask him. You no. Know, and and we'll we'll just cut you out of the equation because what what you have to say has no merit anyway. So, I don't know. You remember being in elementary school and everybody was giving somebody the silent treatment or whatever and they would say something and it's like, did did you hear something?
1: I I don't hear
0: anything. Do you hear anything? You know, And so the devil's jumping up and down and it's just like... (laughs) I I don't mind sinking to his level a little bit. Be childish right along with him. The louder he talks, the more I just... "Mm -hmm -hmm -hmm." So... um, You know, there's an interesting thing about um, learning to ignore the things that he has to say. You know, because you can hear somebody say something and and not heed it, not listen, not really hear what they said, not really listen to what they said. Uh, It can go in your ears, your brain can tell you what they said, and then you can just toss it out. And, uh, you know, and then there's also this sense of repeating this thing that you heard that's not really quite ignoring it either i mean eventually i think sometimes we come to a place where you you get this onslaught of this this attack from the enemy just coming at you with this thought and you know it's not right but you're just sometimes you just need to have somebody else tell you yeah that's just dumb and and so and then you know that that's a great time to be like hey so i could do some prayer because x y and z And it's great when you have somebody that you can go to and and them just tell you tell you, oh well of course that's all a bunch of garbage because God loves you and He's on your side and He's on your team and and all that stuff. So so then changes. Here in in Jeremiah twenty nine, their life is changing an awful lot. Not really doesn't really seem like a good thing. Seems like a bad thing, but like Esau, saw, they kind of did it to themselves because they killed God's prophets when they sent him, or when he sent them, and didn't listen to the things that he had to say. And so, they have. So Jeremiah is writing this letter then to these captives who've already been carried away to Babylon, and he's talking to them about, uh, you know, get comfortable. You're going to be here for a while. You know, this is this is where God has put you. So let's go with that. And he says, um, you know, in, in, excuse me, in verse ten he says, "Thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years to be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you, causing you to return to this place." So he says, you know, okay, you, you know, I, I I told you to stay away from the the idols. I told you to stay away from the idols. I told you to stay away from the idols, and and it like, okay, if, if that's not working, then we'll go to the next thing. It's funny, well, I'm trying to learn how to raise a kitten, and uh, the, uh, the squirt bottle thing is not really working anymore now that he gets up on the table constantly, and so I thought, well, maybe we should just up the ante a bit, and so I went and, and gently held him under the faucet in the bathtub for a while. <laughs> You know it was an interesting moment, and uh, I managed to get through it without a scratch and uh, the kids came in and were uh, quite amused at this bedraggled wet cat. <laughs> but it didn't really work because he must have got up on the table ten times again after that, just yesterday so so we'll have to figure out something else but but God knows how to. Uh, it's like, okay, so here's this consequence. Like, okay, well, that didn't do it, so here's this consequence. Okay, that didn't do it, so I'm going to crank it up just a little bit more. Here's this consequence. Because God doesn't use any more pressure than he has to to deal with an issue. Very, very wise in the way he does that. You know, you don't need to, uh, you know, uh, get out the, the World War III phone for uh, a speeding ticket. You know, it's, it's a bit overkill. So God is very wise in the way he does those things. So he says that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bring you home. I'm going to perform my good word towards you and causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil give you an expected end. You know, the great thing I like about that is he says, I know the thoughts I think toward you. You know, because how often do we look at other people and try and figure out what they're thinking guess what they're thinking some people are actually not bad at that some people are really terrible at it and and you know even if you're pretty good at it it's there's still so much hit and miss because you have to know that person and there's people i know really well that my knee-jerk reaction to like the expression on their face or the tone of their voice The more I talk to them and the more I just kind of mull over a conversation later on, I realize, no, that's not what was going on. It was this thing. And then you could check it with them and it's like, yeah, hey, I was right. It was this thing. So um, uh, it's interesting because God's saying, you know, okay, you're you're thinking that I think this and that and that about you. You're thinking, well, I, I sure wish that he would, you know, get his stuff together and and I, I sure wish that that she would stop doing this and, and that, and and man, I wish they would just, you know, do you know? And, and in that end, it's like, do what? Wish I would do what? You know, because that's what the adversary does. Is it's well, you you need to do, and that's the end of the sentence. <laughs> it's like, do what? You know, I I saw this great little thing this of this guy doing a job interview. And he's just completely messing with this guy that came in to be interviewed. And, and he just says all this just complete gobbledygook to him. And then just sits there expectantly with his pen and his paper. like. And, and uh, after a while, the guy's like, I, I don't know what to do when you do that. <laughs> and so he just looks across the desk at him and he says, we'll do something. You know, and... And I always loved that. It was great. We, we have a job interview with somebody tomorrow, and I, I think I might do that to them. But just for the fun of it. But, uh, no. But, see, that's just it. It's like, that's what the enemy does. He's like, well, you need to do something. It's like, well, I don't know what to do when this, that, and the other thing. It's like, well, we'll do something. It's like, okay, I will. I'm going to go ask God because, because God talks. Uh, I'm gonna go see what the word of God says. I'm gonna go get in my medicine cabinet and I'm gonna go start digging through the bottle of Matthew and I'm gonna find me something that's gonna work good for what I've got going here. Because uh, you know, when you're sick, you know, we say you're afflicted with something. And so sometimes you get afflicted with this accusation, with this voice, and and so it's like, Well, I, I need something for what ails me then and Get rid of this affliction. But I like what he says. I know I know the thoughts. Like, maybe you don't know the thoughts that I think about you. So let me clue you in. I know them and they are peace, thoughts of peace. Thoughts of good, not not evil. To bring you an expected end. And so there's that hope again, isn't it? That expectation of good. You know, and, and I, I think we need to remind ourselves of these things. Particularly as uh as the darkness gathers around us outside and and uh you know God's been talking very serious around here lately about about getting things in order. And and you know, the great thing is is uh, you know, Achan had an opportunity to, to get rid of his stuff before they went and drew lots and before they stoned him. You know, uh I read a book once. The guy, this guy, was saying that uh, you know, there's no telling how many little, little repentance fires they had that night in the camp of people getting rid of stuff. It may not have just been him. Maybe it was. But, but if if Achan would have got rid of the stuff, then God would have told Moses, hey, never mind, or Joshua, hey, never mind, we're good now. Let's go take Ai, and that would be the end of the story. Um, And so. Uh, you know, that's the great thing about God dealing with stuff. You know, it doesn't always have to be a, a public thing. It doesn't usually have to be a public thing. And, uh, you know, because that's the great thing, you know, when you deal with your kids and something I'm learning to, to deal with them in private and not uh, air out their dirty laundry in public. And And God is very wise not to do that either. And so... It's like sitting in a classroom when the teacher is is really getting on to somebody in the room, and they know who they are, you know, and so, but it leaves everybody feeling like, oh, <laughs> and, uh, um, and, and if you've been here to church for the last couple months and you haven't kind of felt like sinking below the seats no. and make sure Ron didn't see you, then maybe you weren't actually listening, but. But the thing is is when God addresses those issues, you know who you are and, and you know that He's talking to you. And especially if you're asking him, Hey God, you know, don't don't want to miss something that you would say to me. Let me let me see it. Let me hear what it is that you're saying. So so then uh, uh so then he says, you know, the things that I plan for you, they're they're peaceful things, you know, I um part of this big transition going on in my life started with, uh, with this dream where I was watching Mike play bass guitar and I was just standing there like... You know? And uh, um, he's probably going to have to pry it from my cold, dead fingers, but um, I, I happily handed over the paintbrush and the roller to him. And, uh, no, no, no. No, no, actually last week when I was watching them work and and I really couldn't help them at all. It was really hard. And I felt just like that dream like. So I spent this week in the office and uh uh it's like using a muscle that you haven't used before like, you know. It's like you you, you know, it's like man, I want to I want to do some squats and then the next day you can't walk. You know, my brain feels like that. Man, I can't. my My brain hurts. I can't think. So, and learning all this stuff really quite interesting. But uh, so anyway, so sometimes the changes we go through don't always seem so happy or so grand. And the thing that we can remind ourselves of is that you know God's plans for us are thoughts of peace and and good, not of evil. So. This change is good for me. This thing that God's doing in my life is good for me. Maybe I don't see it being good right now, but but it's 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 going to turn out good. Um, and and that's you know that's part of what faith is about. It's like well I can't I don't see how this is good for me, but I because I know God I know this is good for me. So I'm going to go with that. And I, I have to read these next few verses just because they're awesome. Then you shall call upon me; you shall go and pray to me, and I will hearken to you. And you shall seek me, and you shall find me, when you shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord. So, so then, uh, so if if you're not sure what's going on, because that that's exactly what the enemy tries to do, when he talks to you about stuff that's going on. Uh, or, you know, something that you see or some accusation or whatever, is, is is he's after that sense of what if. Well, what if that's right? Because that's kind of like opening the door a crack and letting the salesman stick his foot in the door. And, uh, uh, and then it's not so easy to get his foot out. I say break his toes. <laughs>
1: it's like,
0: well, you know, don't stick your foot in the door, buddy. Sorry. But... Uh, um you know, but, but coming back to, to the Word of God and honestly seeking God and asking Him for the answers makes all the difference in the world because right here in black and white He promises, like, I, I'll i hear you and, and I'll answer you. And so it's like, okay, so I sat down for five minutes and, and I asked God about this thing and I didn't get any answer. And? Like, so I asked Him again. You know, we all know the... the uh, uh, parable of the widow, the unjust judge, and so you just keep asking till you get an answer. Because if he says that you're going to get an answer and you didn't get an answer, what the devil would like you to think is that, oh, well, I didn't ask right, or he really is unhappy with me. So all this stuff might be right, and oh no, no, no. I'm just going to ask him again. I'm going to I'm going to keep leaving him some voicemails until his box is full, you know, and so. You know, God answers an email. What can I say? So Jesus, we we praise you. We thank you for your word to us. God, and and what each and every one of us wants to to have happen is to see you face to face, God, and, and have our life preserved, Lord God, to 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 really see uh, your friendly heart, God, uh, to to know that that the love that you have for us um, transcends everything else. God because you you proved your love to us at the cross and, and your word reiterates it from cover to cover that, that you love us, that you mean good for us. we've got a, a, a message like this you could pick just about anywhere in the Bible and, and preach it because it's everywhere that you love us that much and that your your, your grace is there for us. we God here we have in the story of Esau uh, and, and Jacob uh, that he finds grace. In Esau's sight, God, right there, we have grace. And so, Jesus, we we thank you for what you're doing in us, God. We thank you for what you're doing in this church, God. We just pray that you'd continue the things that you're doing, God. That you would uh, uh, bring us back to that firm foundation of the Word of God, and uh, and that that sense of. Uh, standing on that assurance of, of your love for us that that would be unshakable, that that despite what we see, despite what we hear, despite what we feel, God, that all of those things would um, pale in comparison with this one fact that, that God loves me, that God is for me. And God, I just pray, Jesus, that you would do those things in us. God, uh, in this place today, I pray you just bind the flesh and the carnal mind, loose your spirit in this place. And God, let your spirit be poured out in this place, God, and let us uh, let us all leave our umbrellas at home and, and get out our buckets. And, and God, I just I pray in your name, Jesus, that you would meet with us in this place and do exactly what you want to do. God, say what you want to say, do what you want to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. amen.